The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City. It's Sterling Holmes live in studio on a nice Thursday afternoon. Dylan Michaels behind the glass, looking like a, uh, a nice lumberjack back there. Got the Carhartt um, beanie on, the thick, luscious beard, the nice green crew neck. I mean, seriously, if you told me you were a lumberjack in Oregon, I'd buy it. Like, you're not Portland. You, you're the, um, if you're looking for headphones, I got some back here for you. Um, if you're, you're not Portland, you're, you're more like the, on the coast-ish, where you're, you're actually having the, the redwood trees. That's you. You're bringing those bad boys down. While you also probably will drink a nice IPA. I'll, I'll give you that one. A hazy IPA. We'll be... Playing back the interview I did with Matt Derrick yesterday, I did a fun interview with Matt Derrick over on Sports Radio 810 last night. Uh, I want to play that back on this show today. We hit on a plethora of topics. Um, he was driving back from the Combine last night, but we got a lot of really good in-depth analysis from Matt, and I feel like, you know what? When you get very good content like that, I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to hear what Matt Derrick had to say. A little bit, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff happening at the combine. So Matt Derrick will be uh, playing that interview in the second segment. But I wanted to go and play through a um, little bit of the 2024 NFL free agents, specifically at wide receiver. I think this has been a position that a lot of fans have been. Interested and intrigued about, obviously for good reason, considering the state of the wide receiver room for Kansas City last year. I have a lot of differing opinions that I think the majority of folks do. Again, I think that uh, while we will see some new faces in the Chiefs' wide receiver room, I don't think we're going to see some big names that I think folks might be wanting to see. End of the day, Mahomes, I believe, can elevate wide receivers. He cannot elevate the defense. He cannot elevate the offense when he's getting under duress by pass rushers time and time again. So for me, in the Southern Cap era where no one is going to be all pro at every single position, you can... And you have to, I guess, to an extent, cut back on certain spots. You cut back on the position where your half-billion-dollar quarterback can elevate. That's the way I view this. So... Without further ado, some of the free agents at wide receiver that I think we can play a fun little game with. They did a small game last night with Kyle, but I'm going to play this one with Dylan. I'm going to get your thoughts here, Dylan. I like getting the uh, differing opinions in regards to free agent wide receivers. First name I'm going to throw out there is uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans' spot track value, this is the big one, obviously. We're starting with the big name first. His spot track value is four-year, $95 million. He's already going to be 31. You giving Mike Evans four-year, $95 mil? I mean, we can't. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way we can give him that money. So it, no. If you want to get, if you want Chris Jones to be gone and Jerry Sneed yeah, to be yeah. gone, then there sure, go, go yeah. ahead. Exactly. So th- this is my talk I like to have with folks. Is this is not Madden. Yes, you can move and kick the can down the road, and then you end up like the New Orleans Saints. At some point, you have to have a concession somewhere. So as much as I would like to see Mike Evans, as as much fun as it would be to see Mike Evans, that's great and all. What about the defense? You're now just pulling all your resources from the defense and trying to put it in one dude who's going to be 31 in his first year in Kansas City. 
Not to mention the next couple years in Kansas City. Again, I'm just trying to paint the entire picture here. A uh, couple of other guys that I think are kind of interesting. One name, I don't know how to value what he brings. Odo Beckham Jr. Big name. Not a lot of production. Decent last year. Gonna be... He's 31 right now. I don't think he brings back a lot, but also, would you be surprised if Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't get more than like 8 mil a year saying, I'm not playing, I'm just gonna retire? Because I could totally see that from OBJ. No, I could see it, for sure. So I don't know your thoughts on OBJ. My thoughts are, hey, it's fine if you're taking like a one-year, $6 million contract on a veteran. Because again, I think a veteran wide receiver of this kind of class... Not the 23 mil per year guys, but the four to eight mil a year type of guys. Maybe if you want to get for the, the two for 22s, almost like an MVS type contract, I can get there. Mm-hmm. But with Odell Beckham Jr., if he wants to take a one for six, one for eight, I, I think I would at least entertain it. Yeah. I mean, he just got his big kind of year of, of money with the one year 18 million yeah. from the Ravens. So, you know, you could still, I mean, nine million is very good. And that was just to basically keep Lamar Jackson happy. That's all that move it was. It really was, yeah. And again, he was fine last year. And if you want a big play threat, well, he was that last year. 16.1 yards per reception, 565 yards. So while the consistent production was down last year, the big plays for Edel Beckham Jr. were still there. Um, again, not saying this is the way I would go if I were Kansas City. Again, he's an older wide receiver, but he's one that'd be intriguing because it would not be a long-term deal. Uh, next name that I find fascinating is Curtis Samuel. I don't know your thoughts on Curtis Samuel, but doesn't that feel like a very Chiefs move right there? It does. It does. Um, I can't remember when he was last available, but I remember thinking about him or McLaurin yeah. being a good Chief. He's 27. Going to be about 28 when the season starts. Um, his market value, according to Spotrex, three-year, 34 mil, so 11.5 a year. You're, you're talking MVS contract, basically, is what they have Spotrex for him, for a guy who's been, in my opinion, more consistent. I would like to see, if this holds true, that's the kind of guy I would give the MVS contract to. Again, I get people are going to be upset that it's not the big names, it's not Michael Pittman, it's not Mike Evans, it's not a trade for one of the Uh, legitimate wide receiver ones in the NFL. But I think Curtis Samuel will elevate the uh, wide receiver room a lot more. I think you can count on him a lot more than an MVS, right? That's the way I view this. Tyler Boyd. Would you take a... a No, Tyler Boyd. Just completely out. Nope. Doesn't matter, yeah. What's the reason behind it? Because if we're going to take a Bengals receiver, his last name needs to be Higgins or Chase. I'm not going to take the third best, you know, receiver they have that's basically you know past his prime and yeah we have enough wide receiver threes on the team sure wide receiver two at best so now you you don't want to waste your money on that yeah uh tyler boyd's market value right now is 8.7 per year three year 26 mil is his spot track number he is 29 years old but as you mentioned he seemingly is on the decline you look at what he did last year um you know Felt like, yeah, he's been going down 2018 over 1,000, 2019 over 1,000, 2020 841, 2021 828, 2022 762, then last year 667. And by the way, last year they needed him to step up and he played in all 17 games, but he didn't help when Jamar was injured. He didn't help when T. Higgins was injured. He never stepped up. Guys like Trent Irwin stepped up at times more than him. That would make me concerned. Um, he hit free agency 
at a bad time for his career. He's on the downslope. I wouldn't hate that that particular contract, but you'd have to understand that Rasheed Rice is wide receiver one, and you'd have to draft a guy. He would still have to be your third option if you're Kansas City. Um, couple names I'll rip through just to get your thoughts on quickly. Cedric Wilson from Miami. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, who I think Daniel Harms was actually pretty high on as far as one of those cheaper I like tertiary uh, guys. Me too. I, I do like that. I like that Harms was thinking that way because he's a pretty solid little player. I mean, he, he is – before he went to New England and basically was, you know, that, that might as well be Siberia yeah. as far as football is concerned for wide receivers. But he was a pretty good little player. He had the, You know, he led the 49ers in receiving yards in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I, I, he's an interesting guy. I was a, originally like, dude, no. But when I saw what the contract, again, according to Spot Track, is again, these, these aren't always right, but I think they're a good jumping off point, right? Kind of like PFF. Um, three year, 14.5 mil, so 4.8 mil per year. I, I would give Kendrick Borden 4.8 per year. Again, he's not this massive needle mover, but. Last year, he really stepped up before the injury, right? He only played in eight games, but averaging over 50 yards a game with, uh, if you looked at who was throwing him the rock, very impressive. Uh, his first year in New England, 800 yards. I mean, he's more in in line with what I think you probably expected MVS's production to be like, right? If you expected MVS to be a wide receiver one, that's on you. But I think we all expected him to be a viable, consistent threat, which... Uh, outside of the playoffs, he was not. A um, couple more names to get to. Uh, McCole Hardman, I guess, actually, technically, if we didn't get to McCole. He's 26, going to be 26. He's still 25. He's very young, relatively. His stories that are coming out today and yesterday have made me very nervous. Uh, Braxton Berrios, if you're looking for that re, uh, returner type, which I'm out on. Uh, Josh Reynolds, I think, has been a name. With Detroit, that's been getting thrown around a lot recently. Josh Reynolds, um, he kind of fits that MVS mold. 15.2 yards per reception last year. 608 yards, five touchdowns. Really came on strong. Uh, good for him in, as far as probably what his contract's going to be because he came on strong late. Outside of what, what was the playoffs when he was brutal? That game was just absolutely miserable for him. Two drops in key situations. But he did come on strong late. Uh, Hollywood Browns, I'll give you two names right here. Because I think they're possibilities, even if they might be a little unrealistic. Hollywood Brown, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I'm choosing, man, that's tough. Why do you think they're unrealistic? Price? I think price, and for me, based on production. I think Hollywood Brown, you look at what he did. Hollywood Brown had 574 yards in 14 games. Slight concern with injuries for me. But remember who his quarterback was for half a season. Agreed. Size is a concern for me. Yeah. Consistency is a major concern for me. And the fact that he's going to get paid a lot of money is a concern for me. His skill set feels very... There are multiples of his skill set on this current Chiefs roster already. What does he bring outside of being a souped-up McColl? I, I, I'm not a fan. My personal opinion. And then, and then Calvin, really, just very quickly, he's going to get paid a lot of money. He's already 29 years old. His yeah. spot track value is AAV of 17 mil per year. Do you want to give 17 mil per year for a guy who's 29 who's been not only injured and off the field, but also decided, I think people forget, just outside the gambling thing. He took a year, year and a half off in Atlanta. 
I mean, he's a year younger than Mike Evans. If you're going to give me one of those two, at least give me Mike Evans, then at least you know what he's going to give you. You have no idea with Calvin Ridley. But I'll give your let, let you take your thoughts on these two guys. I mean, I think that Hollywood Brown's the cheaper one, right? Obviously. He would Barely. be, and he's younger. Yeah. Um, that would be the one that makes more sense as far as the Chiefs' philosophy, as far as free agents go. Yeah. Younger and cheaper. So, I don't know. I'd like to see what he would look like in this, this offense with this quarterback. Because I would love to go back and look at how many times he was open downfield in the Baltimore games. If he could stay healthy, I'd be intrigued. One name I'm out on is Gabe Davis, although, again, he's young, going to be yeah, 25. I'm way out on that. Yeah, I think, I think all Chiefs fans kind of are. Uh, when Bills fans don't think he's a good player, that should give you some um, reasoning there. Uh, Darnell Mooney's interesting. Darnell Mooney's an interesting name for the Bears. Uh, K.J. Osborne is a name that I'm somewhat intrigued by for the Vikings. K.J. Osborne seemingly always has big catches. Um, and then the final name I want to bring up is Rashid Shahid, uh, Rashid Shahid from New Orleans. Dude is a lot better than I think people realize. Yep, I think you could steal him. Yeah. Now he, he is, he's like a a back, isn't he? He's kind of a, can play running back. A he, little bit. he can do it all. Uh, I'm trying to find his size right here. Uh, I don't have it for some reason. Not showing me his bio. Um, he's 25. He's a exclusive rights free agent, so I believe, or exclusive restricted. So that means that the Saints would have the ability to uh, match, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, but Rashid Shahid had 719 yards last year in 15 games, 15.6 yards per reception, which again means he can break off a big one. Five touchdowns, and oh yeah, that's with Jameis and uh, uh, Derek Carr throwing him the rock. Like, I don't think he's going to cost a lot of money, and I think he could be a pretty big game changer for Kansas City. I think Rashid Shahid is a name that I would personally keep an eye on. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I'll play the interview from last night with Matt Derrick, homestretch ESPN Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Matt, how are you? I am okay, Sterling. I told you I thought I would be driving through Columbia right about now, but due to uh, apparently a little little highway backup, I'm not quite there yet. Oh, bummer, dude. Are, are you driving? Or are you stuck in just bumper-to-bumper bumper right now? We are moving. It was bumper-to-bumper bumper there for a moment, but uh, we are moving. But I was getting through it by, you know, just going through some power ballads. Oh, good. And, what, what were you crushing, dude? Ple- well, ple- Cinderella, I'm assuming. You know what? Cinderella was on the on the playlist. Um, but this was a playlist. It was not my playlist. I, I, I imported it from someone else. And I need to ask your question. Yeah. Because... Um, Toto, Africa. Is that a power ballad? No, no, that's Yacht Rock. Ooh. I mean, I mean, it's a great song, but I just wouldn't put it on a power ballad list. But it was on there. Yeah, like, no, no. By the way, Rosanna and Hold the Line are much better Toto songs. Okay, like, like don't 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 get me going about Africa compared to those two absolute bangers from the band Toto. But Africa, come on, now that's not even close to a power ballad. 
I wouldn't think so. Although Rosanna was also on the list, and I and I did listen to Rosanna because that was when I was like twelve years old. It was like one of my favorite songs. Yeah, as every twelve year older should have that as their favorite song. Yeah. Uh, all right. Are you sure it's not because of the traffic in Columbia that everyone? I know it's the games in Florida, but watching Mizzou lose uh, yet another college basketball game and move to zero and fifteen. Are you sure that wasn't why everyone just partying down there in Como? Oh, did they lose again tonight? Oh yeah, but only by nine. Only by nine, though, to Florida. Come on. Well, please tell me we at least had a lead in the first 15 minutes of the game. Ooh, they were down nine at half, so I don't know about that. They only got outscored by two in the second half, though, Matt, so some positivity. Oh, there's a 15-minute stretch of every game where that team looks like it knows what it's doing. It doesn't last. Yeah, you're right. 15 minutes is about all you get. Sean East had 20. There you go. There you go. Man. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I like the Chiefs, just uh, too, too many drops. <laughs> no hands. No hands on that team. All right, let, let, let's talk Chiefs to make us feel better, uh, although this might not make uh, the Chiefs organization, maybe the Hunts, feel any better. As the uh, survey came out, basically the grading system of all 32 teams, the Chiefs come in 31st, even with them having Andy Reid, Coming in as the number one ranked head coach in the NFL, this survey is done by players. More than 1,700 players around the NFL. That is up from 1,300 last year participated in the survey. Uh, The survey took place between August and November. Uh, I will also point out, according to J.J. Watt, just to try and give this this thing a little bit more credence, J.J. Watt said in meetings when they hand out voting sheets, the two taken most seriously that he has seen has been team captains and then the NFLPA ownership facility report card so apparently a lot of players take this very seriously what was your initial reaction when this came out um pretty much the same as last year because last year was the you know the first year that they had done done it like this you know an nflpa kind of originally intended it to be kind of a free agent guide you know that let teams kind of know what they were walking into when they go to other teams and you know and last year the chiefs were 29th in this survey and this year they were 31st and like you said, that's even a little bit surprising considering that they added the category for a head coach, and the Chiefs were number one in that category, got an A in that one. Um, but they had too many Cs, Ds, Fs, and an F minus in the others. Um, and, you know, I mean, you do have to look at it to really understand it and figure out, you know, what the players are saying. Because, you know, I mean, some people just hear, you know, top line results that are thinking, okay, well, this is maybe just a bunch of whining or. You know, the, maybe the, the the facts don't back it up. Um, you know, I, I heard a lot of it because the, because the Chiefs did so poorly, for instance, in the, the training category. Uh, it's not that you know, for the most part, the survey results say that the Chiefs have bad trainers. That's not the, that's not what they're saying. They still have enough. You know, they don't have enough physical therapists. And you know, and one of the things I was told today that I, I think that you know, Chiefs fans would probably be pretty annoyed at hearing about is that players. You know, out of Kansas City, have a lot of complaints about not getting pre prehab, not getting pre therapy, and that's you know players who aren't injured. They're not on the injury report, but they go to the training staff and say, "Hey, my hamstring's a little tight. You know, calf's a little tight. I need some treatment." And they're like, "Well, if you're not hurt, you know, you're not you're not on the list." So you mm-hmm. know, but that comes back to once again not having enough staff, not having enough resources, you know, not putting enough money into the rooms and. Um, you know, question's going to be if it, if it motivates anything. I mean, the NFLPA has said that they've seen some changes after last year's survey, and they've seen some teams respond. Um, obviously, Chiefs didn't respond a, a ton. Now, they did, I think, in some areas, 
because, you know, one area that they improved significantly was travel. And that was something that, you know, you know I was told that one of, the, one of the things that the players complained about last year was that they, you know, there weren't any, uh, and there weren't very many um, first-class seats, especially for the bigger players. So, you know, you had defensive linemen and offensive linemen, you know, the big guys, um, sitting in, you know, coach <laughs> back of the plane. <laughs> And and they've changed that. I mean, and part of it was the, the team said it was COVID that they'd gotten away from using some of the bigger, you know, the planes and everything, and they were using different planes, and that was why they didn't have as many first class seats. They changed that, and you know, and, and if you saw what the Chiefs took to Germany, I mean, that was like the nicest jet on the planet. So they actually did a lot better in that one question this year than they did last year. But they're still falling down short when it comes to you know having a good training room, having a good weight room. Having you know, and they had a change in strength and conditioning coaches this year, so their their grade changed a lot in that category. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's legitimacy there, and it's not just to me a bunch of whining. I mean, if you look at the individual results, I think you'll see you know that the players have some legitimate gripes, and you know, honestly, they probably have gripes around the league because uh, my last little pontification about this, there's probably a hundred colleges with a better weight room. Than any team in the NFL, but 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 but, 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 but Matt, that, that's used the, to the greats. They're used to that stuff. That that's the one pushback I'll have as as far as because the colleges have to. Like colleges have to because they get a lot of sp- just a lot of money in general to, ch- to try and upkeep this right. They're getting paid to uh, to bring in these guys, and you have to have the best of the best to bring in these guys. Because if Georgia has a better weight room than Alabama or than LSU, what happens? They're going to Georgia. Well, if all of a sudden LSU has a better weight room than those guys, well, maybe they're getting swayed to LSU. Like for them, they have to in college. That's the one that I give a little bit of pushback is is the weight room situation. But the one that I I feel like is inexcusable and. You mentioned it. It's not having enough trainers for the prehab, if you will. I looked this up on Indeed.com, so take this as you will. I tried finding how much... Kyle, my producer, is laughing his ass off back there. That I'm doing some investigative research on Indeed.com. Uh, how much does an NFL trainer make? And according to a survey conducted by the National Athletic Trainers Association, NFL trainers... Um, have the highest earning potential of all subsets, blah, blah, blah. 2018 survey found that trainers earning in the 25th percentile of the NFL trainers earn 55000 per year, with those in the 75th percentile earning 257000 per year. So this is five years ago. But also I'm sitting here going, if you can bring in a guy for 125 k you can bring in an extra trainer, how the hell don't you do this? You have million-dollar, multi-million-dollar athletes littered around your organization. That's the product. That's who you're trying to keep healthy and get right. It costs way more for them to get injured, and all of a sudden, now you don't know what to do. Why don't you bring in a couple guys for 100 k and let them work on them? I don't understand this. This, to me, is inexcusable. Uh, I mean, you're, not, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, why you wouldn't pay top dollar to make sure that you've got uh, you know everybody taken care of and... Think about this, too. I mean, you talk about that salary. I mean, if you see what the athletic trainers have to do, it is one of the most grueling jobs you're ever going to see because they, they probably run more than the players, some, some of the players do, especially some of the players. Because I know some of the, the trainers absolutely run more than the specialists, for sure. And, <laughs> and they're just running a dead sprint on the field at, at practices. You know, and the trainers, you know, for the most part, especially and especially the therapists and the you know people who do the rehab and the work and everything, those 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 trainers, those men and women, 
I mean, they work seven days a week during the season. And we're not talking, you know, part days or anything. Those are 12, 14-hour days and long road trips, too. And, you know, you say making 55000 that's good money. Well, I mean, is it? Because and they're working to make sure that $45, $50 million investment in Patrick Mahomes pays off. I mean, I think they might need to pay him a little more. Yeah, again, that's that was a 25th percentile of NFL trainers from 2018. That was the that was the most up to date I could find. Uh, again, that that was my investigative research. Again, my name is Sterling Holmes, very close to Sherlock Holmes, so I figured I could find better info. But that's all I got. Well, I'll give you one more pushback though, because you talk about the facilities and the colleges. You know what? The same differentiation could be made in the NFL because mm. you know every team's got the same salary cap. Everything's got the there's no cap on facilities, man. You know what? I mean, every team can can pay the same player $15 million a year. But if one team has a gym that looks like a rundown YMCA and the other one has something that looks like it just came out of the Alabama Crimson Tide, <laughs> if I'm a player, where do I want to go play? Yeah. I might want to go play at the place that has a better facility. So why aren't these teams putting more money into it is fascinating to me because that, that absolutely would be a differentiator. But it's almost like a collusion. That they, it's almost like all the teams say, "Hey, as long as we don't all don't put money into our facilities, none of us have to put money into our facilities." Sure. And, and for folks asking, like for example, let's just say they revamped the um, locker rooms at Arrowhead. Well, you're only playing ten home games a year. You know, you have the eight or nine of the regular season in the playoffs, right? But they're at the train facility nearly every single day. They're at the practice facility almost every single day. That's what they want to see redone. And I know you probably saw that as far as they couldn't get it done last year because of they went too far in the playoffs. I don't understand how that's an excuse. Sorry, you guys did too good. So because of that, we're not going to update it. Yeah, you, you did too well. You know, you ran, you went too deep in the playoffs, which meant that you probably sold too many tickets and sold too many jerseys, and therefore we couldn't afford the, the overtime to maybe get that work done. And, you know, between February 14th and July, well, and they don't even report back to Kansas City until, you know, after first game until August. So July, February 15th to August 1st, couldn't get the, couldn't get the renovations done and <laughs> couldn't pay for, like, three weeks of overtime. Yeah. yeah, it's a little, it's a little sus if you ask me. Uh, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest is our guest. Before we move on, final question here. Um, obviously, ownership came in at an F minus. I just find this fascinating because it seems like everyone likes the hunts and the ownership. Like we always seem that this organization has run very, very well, very smoothly. A lot of former players always have glowing remarks to say about the team and the ownership and just everything in general. So when this comes out, I understand the thought process of you're not going to tell your boss, whether your boss that you don't dig them, right? You're trying to give them a little bit of, oh yeah, man, everything's great. And then maybe behind their back, or let's just say when you retire. But we're talking about retired players who a lot of times talk about how great the organization is. It feels like family, all this stuff. And then you hear these reports where, again, an F-minus last in the NFL, according to ownership. Where's the disconnect here? Yeah, I mean, well, one for sure is that you have to realize that the ownership rating was literally based on one question. And that one question is was asking about, you know, the players and their how they would judge the ownership's willingness to put resources and money into the facilities. And it was literally the only question on ownership. Mm. And, you know, and had the Chiefs not been in the situation that you just mentioned, like, you know, hey, they were promised a new locker room, and then they didn't get one, and all they got were new chairs, 
might have come out a little differently. And I, I'll push back because I saw a headline from a, a local news organization that I won't throw under the bus. But they said that, you know, the Chiefs were, were ranked one of the worst organizations in the NFL. No, I mean, that's not what this survey was measuring. This survey was just merely measuring, you know, the facilities that these teams have. It's not measuring how to treat the players. Uh, I mean, it, it, there is, like, treatment of families in there. But even that is, you know, really just like daycare and, you know, whether or not they, you know, how they have daycare during the week and on game days. I mean, that's literally the only questions that are in there. It's not, you know, whether they, you know, what kind of benefits they offer or what they do for families outside of that or how they treat their employees or anything of that nature. Even the coach, you know, rating is really just based mostly on, you know, whether the coach listens to the players, whether he's willing to, you know, listen to the locker room, you know, those kind of things. I mean, so they're very specific metrics. It's not like they're measuring the entire organization. So I think you you have to look at what these categories actually are, what it covers, and see that there's a reason why the Chiefs can win, but still come out very poorly in the survey. Sure. So you're saying take some of this with a grain of salt is what you're you're, you're trying well, to... And I mean, and I'll throw one more thing out there. We can move on. <laughs> but one of the things that's been consistent in that survey from both last year and this year is that players in the Kansas City locker room feel that there's a tiered system when it comes to rehab mm. and that not everybody has the same rehab plan and not everybody has the same treatment plan and not everybody has the same diet to diet plan and i think that even you know and some of it makes sense but at the same time when players see that when they see and they know that patrick mahomes gets a you know a trainer to you know work on him almost every single day and not stop around the clock to make sure he can play yeah i mean you make sense because Patrick Holmes is the franchise. Yeah, but if I'm another player and I'm like, "Hey, I got a sore hamstring here," and I'm being told, "Nope, no room for therapy for you today," I'm going to be ticked off. So we need a Rudy situation to happen. <laughs> well, you know, and and the funny thing is, is that you know, because I had someone, I was talking to someone earlier today um, that was you know saying, "Well, you know, one of the complaints that the Chiefs players used to have was that there there weren't enough uh, cold tubs and hot tubs in the locker room." And they put new ones in about four or five years ago. That's like one of the only areas that the Chiefs did really well in the survey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the questions that they were like in the better, they were like in the top ten, I think, in the league in that category. Well, I want a hot tub. So if they want to put a hot tub in my house, I, I would I would give them an A plus. I don't care about anything else. I don't need and anything else. Two percent of the team, I think, says they have enough hot tubs and cold tubs. Well, that's all that matters, right? I mean, for me, that 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 would sway me, Matt. Uh, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest is our guest as he's driving back from the combine in Indy. Um, you were there for a couple days. What was your big takeaway? Um, you know, quite a few because it was a busy couple of days. It felt like like there was four days of news jammed into the last couple yeah. of days. Um, but I I think that you know just parsing between the lines with with Andy Reid and Brett Beach. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold with this team as far as, you know, retaining their own free agents and how busy they are going to be um, with even going after some external free agents. There, there hasn't really been a lot of buzz about anything other than Legereus Need and, and Chris Jones. And, you know, if the Chiefs are able to keep them both, that makes sense because there's not going to be a room for much else if they keep both Need and Jones. Now, in the last 24 hours, I think you would say that it's sounding more and more like maybe the Chiefs have a better chance of keeping Chris Jones and less of a chance of keeping LeJarrius Sneed. 
And if that's the case, hey, Chris Jones would take a lot of cap room, but there'd still be room for some other things. But, you know, one of the things that Brett, Brett Veach, you know, said to us in our conversation with him yesterday uh, off the podium, um, that, you know, maybe not everybody has heard, but, you know, he, he said that it really kind of glossed over a little bit about free agency, you know, and mm-hmm. said that, hey, really the top priority is, you know, retaining the, the key free agents of their own that they want to keep. And then, you know, after the draft, then you kind of look, well, they'll step back and sit back and kind of look and see what's out there. Uh, I mean, certainly kind of prepping you for maybe looking into those waves of free agency down the line of looking for the bargains, looking for the guys who maybe got overlooked. You know, certainly the Drew Tranquils, the Mike Edwards, the Donovan Smiths. I mean, those might be where the Chiefs are really mining free agency. Not to say that there's somebody that they won't go out and grab, you know, the first 24 to 48 hours, but um, I just haven't heard anything that really suggests to me that that's where Brett Beach is going to be planning on shopping. I mean, he, he, it seems like he's going to be looking at the later waves of free agency. And that might be especially true now that everybody's got a lot more money to spend than they were expecting. Yeah, and I, I've kind of gone with that new mantra of it feels like everyone just thinks the Chiefs got a lot more money to spend. No, the entire NFL did, which right. means more more of these teams who are trying to compete, who might think they're one spot away, might overpay for some of these elite guys, which makes the Chiefs... Um, it might make it even harder for them to get some of these top-end wide receivers that I think a lot of fans are clamoring for. In regards to Legereus Sneed, give, give me a percent here. Percent he's back, percent he's gone. Um, I'm probably down to percentage gone about, I, I would say 40, but I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to tweak it down to like 38%. Mm, precise. I mean, I just feel maybe a little bit less confident than I did a few hours ago. So, and I don't, I don't really know. I mean, what the Chiefs are, what their plan is here. I mean, part of part of me thinks that, especially from hearing what people around the league think that Legarius might get and what his value is, both as a as a you know just in currency and as a trade possibility. I mean, I don't think – I would be worried if you're on the Chiefs that if you have to trade him that you're not going to get the value that I think fans would hope for. Um, what, you know, what, what do you think it is? I mean, you certainly – you look at the market, because remember, I mean, we're only a year away from a 28-year-old Jalen Ramsey yep. going from the Rams to the Dolphins for a third-round pick. And you ask most – people around the league, who's the better corner, a 28-year-old Jalen Ramsey or a 27-year-old Jarius Sneed, they're going to pick Ramsey. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's still the perception around the league. Legarius is still really overlooked, I think, and there's obviously, hey, there's concerns about his knee, and so anything that gets done with him, medicals are going to be a huge part of that, making sure that they're comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, the, the trade value for a corner just isn't what I think a lot of people believe it should be. And I, there may be just a disconnect also in how much Legarius thinks that he's worth on the open market. I mean, mm. that might be a reason why the Chiefs are letting him shop, because if it comes back that maybe there's not a team out there offering him as, as much as the Chiefs, you know, Legarius might come back and say, hey, you know what, you, know, you guys had a pretty good deal, let's take it. Um, then again, there might be somebody that blows him away, and he's like, that's just too good for me to turn down, and, and the Chiefs move on like they did with Tyreek, and they just try to get the most that they can. 
But that would be my concern is that if you think you're going to get a Tyreek kind of haul for LeJerry Sneed, I just don't see it coming. Yeah, I was uh, hoping for a second, more likely a late second. That was kind of my uh, thought process. But uh, that was a very nice rebuttal kind of the Jalen Ramsey for a third. I mean, I, I don't know how you argue that again. Uh, one year older, but Jalen Ramsey was still a very, very good and, and kind of regarded as maybe the best cornerback in football still at that time. Um, that's a good comp right there. Uh, as far as what his value would be contract-wise, do you have any numbers that you think are realistic for him? You know, I mean, that was that's kind of thing that the numbers that you were hearing at the combine that people around the league thought that Legarius might get, you know, hey, three years, forty five guaranteed, forty five to fifty, might be a really good deal. Um, now that pales in comparison to like you know Denzel Ward that you know with Cleveland got the big deal and that was like four for seventy two with practical guarantees. Uh, that's a big disconnect. Now. Why is that? Well, Denzel Ward was 24. Legarius is 27. I mean, that's one of the things that's working against him, and, and that's why I just don't know if he's going to be able to get the the the, uh, the value that he thinks he can get because teams are, are going to exactly think that. They're going to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're not buying 24, 25, 26, 27. We're buying 27, 28, 29, 30. Yeah. And those are, those are four entirely different years for a corner. Um, I mean, I haven't heard what the Chiefs are offering. I wouldn't be surprised if they were in that ballpark as far as an offer goes because that's what the league, I think, consensus is. But you only, we know it's Sterling. You only need one team to mm. go nuts. And you get one team that says, hey, wait a minute, we think LeJerry Sneed's worth $20 million a year and here's $60 million guaranteed. That's all it takes to get a deal done. Yeah, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest is our guest. Chris Jones now. Uh, confidence level of, of him getting a long-term deal done with Kansas City. I, I feel like, for me, she, Chiefs need Chris Jones. Legereus uh, Sneed is a want to me. I think the Chiefs need Chris Jones. W- where do you think the Chiefs lie in regards to bringing him back long-term? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and I think you, you've made it excellently. I mean, I... I do think that that's probably the difference between the two players. I mean, I'm not saying that either one of them is replaceable, but, you know, you take Legereus Sneed out and you look at how the Chiefs could revamp that corner lineup, and it's not as good, but you still feel okay. You take Chris Jones out of that defensive line, <laughs> and you've, I mean, you've got some serious concerns and questions. It goes from so, ACDC to the band Crocus real quick. Yeah. Now, I think three people maybe have understood that (laughs) reference. I don't even know if Matt Derrick is one of those folks, but those three people right now. I'm familiar with Crocus. I I could not remember. I could not name you a song of theirs, but I do remember the band. Screaming in the Night. Uh, Long Stick Goes Boom. They had an entire album where they basically just try to rip off of ACDC. It's hilarious. Long Stick Goes Boom's on that album. Everyone listening right now, sorry I'm off topic. This is what I do. Briscoe is is, is leaving 810, so someone has to take up the randomness. So I, I will bear that cross. Crocus, Long Stick Go Boom, listen to it and tell me that's not ACDC cover band. I will. I will as soon as we're off the line, I'm going to go hit it. All right, so back to Chris Jones, actual Chiefs talk. Um, so, yes, where, where, where do you land on if he's back or not? I mean, I, I I'm going to go I, – I almost want to be bullish and say like 60, but I'm, I'm going to have to back it down from there. I'm going to go like 52%. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's better than the 50-50, but not much better. 
Uh, I mean, I think a part, big part of it's just going to be how much you know Chris is involved in his own negotiation. Um, if he's if he's really active and, and, and gets in a room with with Brett Veach and his agents, I think there's a really good chance the deal gets done. Um, you know, I think that that's how things got done last year. You know, once Chris kind of got into the room with Brett Veach after Week One and that loss to the Lions, you know, a deal got done really, really fast. If I think if Chris is involved and you know, and, and he gets what he wants. I mean, you know, I think it's a, that's a hard decision. I mean, I don't begrudge a player, especially in Chris's spot, because this is probably his last opportunity to get a big deal. And if, if the Chiefs, I mean, obviously they weren't willing to go to the mattresses last year for him. They weren't willing to pay him what, what he wanted on a long-term deal. So the question is how far apart were they? I mean, if they're $5 million apart per year on a – four-year deal it's 20 million dollars i don't know if i'd walk away from 20 million dollars <laughs> I, I always say, Matt, even like two million, even even if we're talking about a single season, two million. I know these guys are getting paid a lot of money. Have you ever seen a two million dollar house? I have. Yeah, yeah. Just just imagine that saying. You know what? No, I don't want that. Like, yeah, that's very hard. I I think you have to put it into things that people can try and and uh, and realize how much this money we're talking about is that they're leaving on the table. Like, imagine twenty million. Have you seen a twenty million dollar home? I don't think I have. <laughs> like, like I'm just sitting here going, it's easy for us to say, but dang, in the moment, I don't know if I could do it. If someone just showed me like a like here, Sterling, this is what you could have. Now look at this over here. This is what you're missing out on. Like I would be swayed so easily. Well, but you know, I mean, once again, I mean, hey, everybody's different, and hey, maybe maybe you want to have a two million dollar house for yourself and you want a two million dollar house for mom and your kids are going to need two million dollar houses and you want to make sure your grandkids have two million dollar houses well you can't do that you know on on, on trump change trip sterling you're gonna have you're gonna have to need 32 million a year to get that. I, don't, I don't want to leave one of one of my great great grandkids out one of them is gonna feel left out i mean and i and i hey i i everybody has different priorities and you know, and Chris really hasn't come out and said flat out, you know, what he wants. But I, I think from from covering him over the years, I can I can definitely say, I mean, Chris Jones loves to win. So even though he's just like any player too, that you know, money is respect. Money is a measuring stick to see how you stack up against the competition. And he's got that too. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has got it. I mean, he wants, he doesn't mind having the biggest contract in the league because that tells him that he's the best and he's winning. Yeah. Chris Jones wants that too. I mean, so, and players do see that as a line of respect. And sometimes you just have to get close to their number for them to feel the love. And I don't know. I mean, between, and maybe I'm being swayed by the things that, that Chris said at the, at the, at the parade, which, I mean, and I, I think, I can't remember who pointed out earlier. Uh, maybe it was on Seren's show when I was driving over listening. It um, sometimes, you know, Chris just says things, yeah. so you have to you have to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but can we get a uh, Chiefsaholics lawyer to see if that's a binding like contract of him saying that on the stage? I mean, hey, if you can hold him to it, that'd be great. But I know the Cats brothers won't let won't, won't let you hold him to it. No, no. Um, but I mean, what's what's the number? I mean, I, it could be almost anything. I mean. You know, and we don't really know how far apart they were, where they were back in last summer. So, but 
but I know that, you know, the belief is that, hey, that they think that they can get it done. I think cautious optimism is, again, the buzzword. I mean, that was kind of the buzzword last year at the Combine, so we're hearing it again this year. That's probably about the, the right way to be. Uh, now, if the Chiefs come in and they're not at the same place they were when they parted ways last year, maybe it won't go well. I mean, we really don't have a sense for it because, you know, if Red Beach said, I mean, they're going to really have their first conversations this week, and that'll be the first one since September. So let's let's see how close they are, and I I think we'll find out pretty quickly how close they are. Final Chiefs question for you. With the San Francisco 49ers interviewing Dave Merritt uh, for the D.C. position, um, how how concerned are you about the Chiefs losing Dave Merritt, and is there a chance that the, the Chiefs could just say, all right, we obviously can't make you D.C. because Spags is still here, but what if we give you a promo? Like, let's call you the assistant defensive coordinator. Like, with a title um, addition and a, and a pay raise. Or, or is that just not going to be enough to keep a guy as talented as Dave Merritt? You know, the really, you, you bring that up, and, I mean, it's a great question. The real challenge with it is that, you know, you've also got a couple of other guys on your staff who want to be a defensive coordinator. And you're not trying to make everybody happy. Now, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, assistant contracts are so loopy. I mean, you know, I think it was kind of rumored that maybe Joe Cullen got an extension and a bump uh, when he turned down Michigan. So maybe he's taken care of and he doesn't need anything else. But, you know, Brendan Daly might say, hey, wait a minute, I want to be a defensive coordinator, too. So where's my title bump? Where's yeah. my where's my raise? Um, but I think you almost you have to, I think you have to do it now. I. I think you know Dave, Dave, Dave has been pretty clear that he'd like to stay in Kansas City until his kids are finished with high school, and you know he's got. I think his his, his son, that's the quarterback, is what the, you know going to be a senior next year. So I don't think he wants to leave Kansas City right now, but he wants to be a defensive coordinator. And if the Forty ers are going to give him that chance, I mean, you got to consider it. It's a great uh, spot, man. I, I get that Shanahan throws his uh, DCs under the bus. Let's be real, now over the past couple seasons. There's that. But but also there's so much talent. It's not like you're going to the Panthers. Like right. it's, it's not like you're going to a dumpster fire. Now it's a kind of double edged sword because if you don't look incredible, if you merely look good, all of a sudden people are saying, "Well, why don't you look like you're the best?" Um, there, there's pressure that comes with that. But if you can use that talent, uh, which I think Dave Merritt is capable of, I mean, San Fran's not a bad gig. If you were if you were going to make a list of the people, and I know people, not players, but the people who are you know could leave the organization this year, I mean, if you were going to say, hey, who has the most wins probability added for you? <laughs> who has the best EPA here for you, Sterling? Um, I'd probably put Dave Merritt like third on the list behind Jones and Sneed. Yeah. Um, and if I mean, I mean, if you if you want to go for a three peat, I mean. You need Dave Merritt, so yeah. I would say if I'm if I'm Brett Veach, Clark Hunt, and Andy Reid, I'm saying, hey, uh, Dave, here's here's some money. Wait, wait, wait for a better opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. We'll take care of you for this year. Then let's see what happens. Yeah, I don't know. There's a better opportunity though. This is this is one of those rare ones where it's a great team who's looking for one, not not some horrendous team that's looking for. One. Although I will say, coordinator's a little different than head coach. Obviously, as you saw the Eagles last year, right? A team that was in the Super Bowl, they completely revamped. Uh, obviously, it was bad, but at least there was some uh, some opportunity there. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Make sure you check out all his work, ChiefsDigest.com as well as follow him on the X at Matt Derrick. Before I let you go, are you stopping by Booches in Columbia? 
I did not. I have already blown through Columbia. Oh, so. man. Well, now you got to hit the McDonald's in Concordia. That's the best McDonald's in the world. I will stand by that. Ooh, I mean, I... It depends. I mean, on a long drive like this, I don't know if I can make it to Concordia. I would usually have to stop at, at Boonville, but I will say, I mean, that the bathrooms in Concordia are better at that McDonald's. Yeah, I'm telling you, that McDonald's is it's primo, man. It's uh, it, it takes you back to the 1960s, what I imagine McDonald's used to be. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, Concordia is a great stopping point. It's, it is midway between Kansas City and everything. Boonville's a little close, but you know, since this case, I was coming from Indianapolis. My last stop was in what? Winsville. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, if I need a stop, might be Boonville, but no. I mean, otherwise, you are correct. Concordia is the correct answer. Uh, Matt Derrick, get home safe. Always appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, Sterling. Take care, my friend. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back home stretch. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. I looked it up. Exclusive rights free agents are players with fewer than three accrued seasons but are not under contract for the following year, yet they remain under team control even without a contract. Does that make sense to you? Because, kind of, not really. But that's what we looked up. That's what an ERFA is, which again goes back to my thoughts on uh, Rashid Shahid. He is that type of exclusive rights-free agent. I uh, still think that means the Chiefs can take a look and offer him a deal. Uh, all right, don't hate me, everyone. I think an interesting one here is uh, the Jets okay Zach Wilson to seek a trade. Please don't hate me, everyone. But wouldn't you at least entertain Zach Wilson as the backup quarterback in KC? He's 24. Obviously, his second overall draft pick. Yeah, he's been two scoops of ass his entire NFL career, but let's be real now. It's not like the Jets have been the pinnacle of an organization. No one looks at the Jets and says, yeah, that, that, that's the team that we want to be like. Yeah, they've, they've had great success uh, identifying and, dra- and drafting and developing especially talented quarterback. I'm sitting here going, doesn't this feel like a very Brett Veach move? Bring in Zach Wilson as your backup quarterback. Get a little mystique around him. I, I, I'm, I think Zach Wilson or Drew Locke would be very intriguing as a backup quarterback in KC. But let's be real now. We'll probably bring in another uh, 30-plus-year-old quarterback in the ilk of Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, or the like. I'm just saying. Zach Wilson would intrigue me. This was the home stretch here, ESPN Kids. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow from 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.